This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. If you're constantly on the hunt for a good deal, then you need Rakuten. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop because members get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every category, including fashion, beauty, electronics, home essentials, traveling, dining, and more. You're already shopping at your favorite stores. Why not save while you're doing it? It's a no-brainer. Get the Rakuten app now and join the 17 million members who are already saving. Cashback rates change daily. See Rakuten.com for details. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Your cash back really adds up. The CBS Evening News, coming up next. Today's CBS Evening News podcast is sponsored by Prevagen. Do you have concerns about mild memory loss related to aging? And have you thought about taking a supplement to improve your memory, but would like to hear from a pharmacist first? Now there is good news. Prevagen is the number one pharmacist-recommended memory support brand, so you can safely take care of yourself with confidence. Prevagen, healthier brain, better life. 2019 Pharmacy Times Survey. Statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening. Nora is off tonight. I'm Margaret Brennan. As we come on the air tonight, President Trump is vowing he's not backing down, and Iran is vowing it will get revenge. After the president ordered drone strikes that took out Iran's top general, the two countries have been enemies for more than four decades, but rarely have tensions been as high as they are tonight. President Trump says Soleimani was actively planning new attacks on Americans in the region, but the White House is not providing any details. Tonight, U.S. civilians are being told to leave Iraq immediately, and more American troops, thousands of them, are being sent into the region. Our correspondents are covering this fast-moving story from inside Iraq to the Pentagon and to American cities under heightened alert. But we begin with Paula Reed traveling with the president tonight in South Florida. Paula? Good evening, Margaret. The president is wrapping up his holiday here in Florida, and this afternoon he addressed the nation for the first time since last night's drone strike. We took action last night to stop a war. We did not 
take action to start a war. The president said Qasem Soleimani posed an immediate threat to the United States. Soleimani was plotting imminent and sinister attacks on American diplomats and military personnel, but we caught him in the act and terminated him. But Mr. Trump also said Soleimani had been committing acts of terror for decades. For years, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and its ruthless Quds Force under Soleimani's leadership has targeted, injured and murdered hundreds of American civilians and servicemen. A senior administration official tells CBS News the Trump cabinet was in full agreement on the strike. Last night, as news of the attack was breaking, the president was spotted huddling inside his resort with White House communication aides, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, and his son-in-law and top advisor Jared Kushner. In the aftermath of the strike, the president said the U.S. does not seek regime change in Iran. I have deep respect for the Iranian people. They are a remarkable people with an incredible heritage and unlimited potential. With an eye always on the upcoming election, the president went right to Miami for a campaign event with evangelical supporters. He was planning a very major attack, and we got him. As you just heard, the crowd cheered when the president mentioned the strike, even though he campaigned on a promise to end U.S. involvement in the Middle East. Margaret. Paula Reed, thank you. U.S. intelligence tracked Soleimani as he traveled in the region, waiting for the right moment to strike. David Martin is at the Pentagon tonight with details on that operation. This is what's left after the two vehicles carrying Soleimani and his aides were struck by American drones, setting off what could be an earthquake in the Middle East. He had just landed at Baghdad International Airport on a trip intended to launch a campaign of attacks against Americans. He was actively plotting in the region to take actions, a big action as he described it, that would have put dozens, if not hundreds, of American lives at risk. Uh, we know it was imminent. The U.S. military was directed to take out Soleimani after an American contractor was killed last Friday in a rocket barrage on an Iraqi military base. American jets retaliated with airstrikes against the militia which fired the rockets. A militia U.S. intelligence said was directly controlled by Soleimani. At the same time, the U.S. was picking up what Joint Chiefs Chairman General Mark Milley told reporters off-camera was clear and unambiguous intelligence that Soleimani was planning a campaign of violence against the U.S. I'm not going to say anything more about the nature of the attack, but know that this was not just in Iraq, it was throughout the region. Soleimani was in Syria on Wednesday and then flew to Lebanon. On Thursday, he left Lebanon for Iraq. When his plane landed in Baghdad, Two Reaper drones were circling overhead. Soleimani and a militia leader got into a sedan and the rest of his party boarded a van. They set off down the airport road when four Hellfire missiles struck simultaneously, two for each vehicle. What the United States did yesterday should have been done long ago. Officials from both the Bush and Obama administrations told CBS News they had chances to kill Soleimani and decided against it because the risks of igniting a cycle of escalating violence outweighed the benefits of getting rid of him. Asked about that, General Milley replied, damn right there's risk, and he acknowledged that <clears throat> there is no guarantee killing Soleimani 
would head off the attacks he is planning. There could still be an attack, he said. Margaret? Quite a warning. David Martin there at the Pentagon. Tonight, law enforcement in this country is taking Iran's vow of revenge as a serious threat. Jeff Pegues has more on what's being done to keep Americans safe. At the White House, the Secret Service was heavily armed with long guns. In New York City, police units deployed to key landmarks. The NYPD says it was out of an abundance of caution. We have an international incident that can and likely will have global implications. For years, U.S. law enforcement officials have been concerned about Iran striking U.S. targets by using proxy organizations like Hezbollah. In 2011, then-Attorney General Eric Holder alleged that an Iranian-backed assassination plot attempted to target the Saudi ambassador in the U.S. in a bombing at this Washington restaurant. This conspiracy was conceived, was sponsored, and was directed from Iran. But U.S. officials believe in recent years, Iranian-backed hackers have targeted U.S. infrastructure for cyber attacks like the one that breached the computer systems controlling this dam just north of New York City. Today, in a statement, DHS said that as a result of yesterday's military action, it was assessing potential new threats. Michael Morell, former acting director of the CIA, says Iran could take any number of actions, including assassination. They will choose a time and they will choose a place to conduct a terrorist attack against a senior American official. Might be two months from now, it might be a year from now, but they will exact their revenge. A U.S. official told me today that investigators in this country have taken steps to break up operational cells working in the shadows here in the U.S. Margaret. Jeff Pegues in Times Square. Thank you. Our Holly Williams is one of the few network correspondents inside Iraq. She has covered the region for years. Holly, President Trump said this was meant to stop a war, not start one, but Iran's already threatening to retaliate. How is this being received in the region? Well, Margaret, Iraq's parliament is planning on holding an emergency session and Iraqi politicians with close ties to Iran are calling for the roughly 5,000 U.S. troops based here in Iraq to be ordered out of the country in protest. What makes this situation so dangerous here in the Middle East is that the Iranians will feel that they have to retaliate. Qasem Soleimani was a national hero, part of the military genius of Qasem Soleimani. However, we may judge him morally was that he understood that Iran cannot compete head-on with the U.S. So he became a master of asymmetrical warfare, giving money and weapons to proxy groups and militia groups across the Middle East. Well, the dual threat that U.S. officials have pointed to with Iran was its sponsorship of terrorism, really led by Soleimani, but then also the threat of a nuclear program. What does this event do? I've been looking at these readouts of European leaders working the phones, trying to de-escalate. Well, look at this, if you will, from the perspective of Iran. Uh, It was the U.S. that pulled out of the nuclear agreement back in 2018, while the Iranians at least initially tried to stick in there uh, with the Europeans. Now that these acts of tit-for-tat violence have escalated to the level of the killing of Iran's most important military leader, many Iranians will ask, why should we hold back when it comes to our nuclear program? Holly Williams in Iraq. Back in this country, we are following a deadly attack in Austin, Texas. It started at a coffee shop, moved to another restaurant, and it ended with the suspect jumping off a roof. Omar Villafranca reports. The 27-year-old male suspect's violent rampage 
began just before 8 a.m. inside a coffee shop south of downtown Austin. Witness Stacy Roaming says Nimley assaulted a man sitting at a table of regulars. I don't even know what this guy was thinking, what his reason was. There was no altercation. He just came up and hit this man in the head. Police were called and customers tried to stop the suspect from fleeing, but he got away. With officers in pursuit, he ran into a neighboring burrito restaurant. Austin Police Sergeant David Daniel says that's where the suspect's attack turned deadly. Right now we have two stab victims. Describing his officer's grim discovery. Once they got to locate two victims that had been stabbed, uh, I can't confirm that one of those victims is deceased. The deceased victim, a man in his 20s, was pronounced dead at the scene. The other victim sustained serious life-threatening injuries. This is where the attack ended. The suspect climbed to the roof of the shopping center and then jumped off the building. He's in critical condition. Police have not released his name. Margaret? Thanks, Omar. Tonight, a lot of the south is being swamped. Torrential states has made driving dangerous as up to four inches fell. Mississippi has been getting the worst of it. At least 10 people were rescued from homes threatened by rising water. That same system is expected to soak the Northeast this weekend. Decades of fighting over same-sex marriage and gay clergy will likely split up the United Methodist Church. Tonight, the country's second-largest Protestant church is considering a proposal to become two denominations. One would end a ban on same-sex marriage and gay clergy. The other would keep it. A final vote is expected in May. There are about 9 million United Methodists in the U.S., 80 million worldwide. Alarming new numbers tonight in the nationwide flu outbreak. Flu activity is now high in 34 states. It hasn't been this widespread this early in the season in more than a decade. An estimated 2,900 people have died. Dr. John LaPook now on what's being done to contain the outbreak. At Riley Hospital for Children in Indianapolis, fighting flu begins at the front door. We're just trying to take extra precautions. The hospital has created influenza checkpoints where security keeps a list of approved visitors, mostly parents. Dr. Elaine Cox is an infectious disease specialist. Even when they visit and they're on the list, they're screened for illness, so fever, cough, runny nose, body aches. The goal? create a ring of protection around vulnerable kids. That's especially important to DeAnthony Knighton and his 10-year-old son, DeAnthony Jr., who's on kidney dialysis. His uh, immune system is a lot weaker with his condition, so making sure that we are all uh, vaccinated is uh, very important to make sure he stays at 100% with his health. Today, the CDC reported there have been more than 55,000 hospitalizations this flu season. Usually, the predominant strain is influenza A, but this year, it's been influenza B so far. What comes next is anyone's guess. Lynette Brammer is with the CDC. We'll have to wait and see what happens in the coming weeks. Even if we are at peak, we still have half of the flu season to go. And there may be other viruses circulating after the influenza Bs that are here right now. It's still too early to say how effective this year's influenza vaccine will end up being. But Margaret, with the flu season occurring earlier than usual and accelerating, the CDC is reminding people it's not too late to get immunized. Good advice from Dr. LaPook. 
The wildfires raging across Australia today sparked one of that country's largest evacuations. Navy ships helped hundreds of people trapped along the southeast coast escape the flames. In all, more than 100,000 have been forced to flee. At least 19 people have died. And the fires are expected to get worse this weekend. Sunday night, 60 Minutes reveals new information about the jail cell death of Jeffrey Epstein. The wealthy financier was awaiting trial on charges of sexually abusing underage girls when he was found dead of an apparent suicide last August. Sharon Alfonsi spoke with forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Baden, who was hired by Jeff Epstein's family to investigate his death. He tells 60 Minutes that Epstein likely died two hours before the body was discovered. The guards say they came in at 6.30. They found him. They call emergency services. They tried to do CPR with him, but he's dead. But rather than leave the body there, they take the body to an emergency room. Yeah. Is that normal protocol? No, that, that's not normal protocol. The EMS people normally, and especially in jail, should not move a dead body. With the long holiday season over, a lot of people could sure use a catnap. Tonight, Steve Hartman's on the road with the tale of a man who takes that to a whole new level. The Safe Haven Pet Sanctuary has been blessed. Uh. Blessed with one of America's most helpful volunteers. A true godsend. Want some treats? I think it's absolutely amazing. <laughs> Elizabeth Feldhausen runs the place. It feels almost divine in a way. Yeah, we are very lucky that he walked in here. The savior of the cat rescue is a brother at the St. Norbert Abbey in Green Bay, Wisconsin, named Terry Lowerman. I've always been a cat person. To me, it's a blessing to be touched by creation. Oh, you are such a sweetie. A couple years ago, this 76-year-old retired teacher started coming in to brush the cats. Yeah. But his mission quickly evolved. It just happens. Now, on every visit, as Terry settles into one of the many comfy couches here, he starts feeling the effects of all this meowatonin and becomes full-on catatonic. You sleep on the job. Yes, that's exactly it. Is this still volunteer work? Yeah, there's no salary involved. In I know. Zone, yeah. I was stressing the work part. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, you can't have much expectation for somebody who's volunteering here. <laughs> but there's more to his naps than meets the shut-eye. By dozing off so comfortably, Terry has actually done more for this cat rescue than any conscious volunteer ever could. It started when the rescue began posting pictures of Terry's catnaps, and he went viral. Were you surprised by the fame? Oh, God. Pet and brush cats and fall asleep. And I should be world famous for doing this? Aww. World famous and a calendar guy. Even has his mug on a local coffee blend. For Safe Haven, Brother Terry has turned out to be marketing okay. manna from heaven. How much have you raised because of him? Near $100,000. A guy sleeping can have that kind of impact? I wish that I could fall asleep and make $100,000. The money has allowed the rescue, which caters to special needs cats, to expand its reach. Good kitty. Terry says it just goes to show that changing the world can be a lot easier than you think. When you retire, you can do all kinds of neat things. Find something and do it. I'll sleep on that. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Hartman, on the road, in Green Bay, Wisconsin. 
saving lives while you sleep. We'll be right back. Tonight's On the Road segment is sponsored by Liberty Mutual Insurance. Only pay for what you need. On Monday's CBS Evening News, we'll continue to follow the fallout, both here and in the Middle East, from that U.S. drone attack that took out Iran's top general. And that is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Margaret Brennan. Nora's back on Monday, and I'll see you Sunday on Face the Nation. Good night. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them? and not the man pulling the strings. Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.